What's up, Puggy fans? It's 2022. Finally, race day is back, and so is Shoot the Shit, your favorite Buggy podcast. It's the only Buggy podcast that kind of has to be your favorite. But I digress. We've got tons of amazing stories from all angles of this wild, wacky, wonderful sport of Buggy told by the people who make it happen. That is you. All sorts of slices of this beautiful community. So strap in your safety harness, get ready to go as we shoot the shit. Ah, it feels good to be back. Hello, everybody. Will Weiner going to be your host again. Season three, shoot the shit. And we are starting off with a bang. One of my favorite conversations I have ever had on this podcast with Brian Arsham and Jeremy Tuttle talking about their work for the History of Buggy Project. Now, this was getting underway as a lead up for the Buggy 100 celebration, which was meant to happen in 2020. We all know what happened there, but the work has not stopped. And we get into this monumental undertaking, trying to really chart the whole of Buggy history and build off of the great work Tom Wood and others have done. We learn about what kind of research techniques they had to do to figure out what happened in a buggy race in the 1920s. Archaeological efforts to compare photographs to figure out what buggy was with what pusher in what year and crazy triangulation. The fallibility of human memory, the nature of truth, and, uh, you know, get into some of their favorite stories along the way and talk about how you can learn more about this during race day 2022. It's a great conversation. You don't need to hear any more from me. So let's go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Yeah, so I'm Brian Arsham. I am currently uh, the treasurer of the Buggy Alumni Association. Uh, I graduated from CMU in 2008. I was a member of AE Pi, uh, who hasn't had a Buggy program in a little while, but did back then. Uh, you know, I, I think with Buggy, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun sport. I mean, I got into it my freshman year, orientation week, I was watching you know, big TV fan just flipped on CMU TV and they were replaying the 2004 races basically every, every night at midnight. I was, I was coming back to the room. It took me about five days to realize I was watching the same races over and over again. Uh, but that's, you know, got, got to AE Pi. They're like, Hey, we have this buggy program. You want to join? I'm like, sure. So I, uh, I was a flagger and then assistant chair and then chair. And then, uh, I hung around in Pittsburgh for a couple of years after I graduated and was kind of a, an alumni advisor, I guess, if you will, of AEPI. Yeah, and then I and then I left, and I come back every year. I've been doing the broadcast with you, Will, for the last couple of years as a color commentator. Awesome. And I'm Jeremy Tuttle. Um, I uh, was on SDC as a student, graduated 2010. Uh, I was the chair of the team for uh, race day 2008 and 2009. And then uh, somewhere around 2015, I was talking to Ben Matsky, uh, who was basically holding the BAA together by himself at that point. Um, <laughs> and he, we just like every day we're having these little conversations. And I was like, oh, you know what the BAA should do? You know what they should do? He was like, uh, we don't have a vice president. Do you just want to like run for that? I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and I have been here ever since. Currently working on uh, helping new teams get started as uh, one of my projects that and working on history stuff with Brian, I guess, which uh, feels like it's never ending, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, right. And we'll we'll get into the scope of it, right? A hundred plus years. Um, who knows really how we count. Uh, but maybe just a little bit on the origin of this project. 
Uh, you know, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, by, you're most likely to be somewhat familiar of this big undertaking, uh, you know, Buggy Alumni Association has done of these really detailed um, histories of Buggy throughout these hundred years. Uh, but if you want to just go back to kind of the origin of where did this project come from and kind of how did you start envisioning the scope? What was it? 2018, roughly. Uh, I was starting to get really fed up with how difficult it was proving to be to get new like race day results onto our history database. Um, and I'm sure anyone who, I, I don't know if anyone was as obsessed with looking at this stuff as, as I was, but like you'd go in and it's like, oh, the, the race day results are like a year old or two years old. We, we don't have the recent stuff. It was just because it was so hard to get it into the old database because it was, it was built in a very cumbersome way by people who weren't like around to help update it anymore. Um, so I was like, let me see if I can figure out a way to make this look better. Um, so I was working on that and I was like, yeah, seems like we're missing a little bit of data. You know, let me see if I could figure this out. And then I, it, it got around to the point where I was like, I wonder if I can figure out who won in 1920. Uh, because it had been almost 100 years. Like, it was in none of the buggy books. Nobody knew. Tom Wood didn't know. Like, it, we didn't have that information. And I came across this, like, it was like the, like, late April uh 1921 edition of the tartan had this like tiny little article like five lines basically saying uh, uh the editor would like to issue a correction to uh something we said in the cit alumnus the winner of the 1920 race was actually Todd delta phi and the winner of the design competition was sigma nu and i was like oh shit, like th this is it, this is it right here. So I immediately like grabbed this, like took a screenshot of this, um, which I had gotten from the CMU Digital Archives, fantastic resource, and just like sent it straight to Tom Wood. I was like, Tom, do you know this? And he was like, no, I don't, this is amazing. So, And then Brian saw that and he was like, wait, I mean, you, you could pick yeah. it up here. That, yeah, that so, was sort of what got you going. Yeah, so so Jeremy, in addition to sending it to Tom Wood, he also shared it in uh, our officer's Discord chat. He's like, hey, check out what I found. And I, you know, I think there are some people who didn't even know that Buggy existed in 1920. I think, you know, if you went on the site, you saw 1921 had results. So I think at least some people thought it started there. But Jeremy found this thing. I'm like, oh, I got to see this for myself. So I went and, and opened it up. I looked I, again. I got I got to shout out the the CMU archives here for putting uh, the tartans and the thistles and all these things on on a on their website uh, that made research uh, a little bit easier. But so, so I, you know, I went there, I saw it myself. I'm like, huh, let me go back and see, like, I'm going to dig around a bit in 1920 and see what I can find. And I found the very first article to ever exist in the Tartan, as well as a photo. And, uh, oh, is that the like death defying hair raising? Yeah. Yeah. So, one? yeah. Let me, let, let me, let me read to you, uh, what that says. This is, this is the very first thing ever printed in the Tartan. The April 21st, 1920 edition of the Tartan. This is volume 14, number 26. The headline is Fraternity Motor Sweepstake Promises Novel Thrillers. Keen Rivalry Expected in the Derby Race Campus Week. Uh, but here's, here's the very first sentence. The greatest, wildest, jazziest, most blood-curdling, hair-raising, breath-stopping, shirt-tearing event in tech an annals 
the Ben-Hur of the 20th century. <laughs> See the 15 fire-eating, smoking, snorting, rustling, hustling gas chariots piloted with their death-defying pilots tag with the Undertaker. Watch the canny jockeying for positions. See them rocket through the air across the campus. The almost certain death at the beanery curve. The terrible grind down the final lap. Men and machines crumbling under the terrific strain. That's the first, that is the first paragraph of the first article ever written. And when you read that, how can you stop there? Yeah. Right? That's like a, a setup for WrestleMania or something. Like it's it's incredible. And like, I mean, Look, the, the the writing in these early 1920s editions of the Tartan is is great. I mean, there's there's some great stuff in the 1921 results as well. But really, but but that's kind of what started me on this on this process. I went back, I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I gotta go see what they <laughs> I gotta go see what they say next. And there wasn't really anything else in 1920. That's even better uh, than watching the uh, 2004 races on loop, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a D also side project is just what did that person who wrote that go on to do? Like we've dug into some people pretty, pretty extensively. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I will say, unfortunately back then uh, the Tartan did not credit writers. Uh, so we don't actually know who wrote some of these early articles. Uh, we do know that the, that the first sweepstakes chair, however, uh, is a guy who went by the name R.N. Crosby. So I, we, we may even have his actual first name somewhere. Um, I think I, I've, I've definitely done some digging into some of the past sweepstakes chairs. Uh, we, we've, we've only ever had records back to like 1960-something. You know, I've, I've read some obituaries. Uh, we tracked down one guy, I think, uh, who, who had passed away, but his, his wife of 70-plus years was still alive as of like tw there was a 2010 article about her because she was a, a Carnegie Tech or the I guess Mellon College alum mm -hmm. and so there was an article about her because she was 104 at the time and she was still like helping out a sorority or there there was something like that and 1937 is is kind of our our big missing year at this point. I've done my fair share of like cold calling people who graduated from college like what 70 years ago to be like hey do you remember this one thing about this one race that you may or may not have been involved in uh and sometimes it sometimes it goes well that's while, while we're on this topic um i sort of got inspired a couple of years ago to try to find some of these like famous old buggies like the ones that uh that won a lot of races and were just always well-known. Um, ATO's Golden Goose was like the, the first one that I was looking for. So I'm like, all right, who can I call about this? You know, step one with, with any of these like historical research things is email Tom Wood because he probably already has like a list of like answers or people who would have the answers. Um, but then I ended up like, all right, who like looking into the buggy books. Okay, who was their chairman? Who was their head mechanic? All right, finding these people like, looking for phone numbers like there was this one guy I, I forget who it was but i i got in touch with him because i i was only able to find his son's cell phone number and i was like i call this guy i'm like he's like my age and i'm like hey uh i need to talk to your dad and he's like what it's so weird um but eventually i got to somebody who like had the full story on like what had happened to golden goose um, which was pretty sad, I guess, like some number of years after it had stopped rolling, some pledges were sent to like 
clean the garage and not knowing what was in front of them took golden goose and we're like oh old buggy and just like chucked it in a dumpster and it was never seen again so that was the end of that story which was really sad so then i just like moved to the next one down my list i was like all right double zero like betas buggy that won design comp like seven times or something it won a lot of races um we found that one there's a guy in ohio who has it it's not completely intact but he has most of the parts of it and the plan you know i've met with him a couple times we've been emailing back and forth and the plan right now is to get that buggy into pittsburgh and get some beta alumni and some students and ba alumni whoever to pitch in to help restore it and hopefully get it into um a presentable state to display somewhere on campus you know that i, I guess that was a, a more positive happier end uh, yeah, <laughs> than, 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 than golden goose who is gone forevermore i guess yeah you know Jeremy was saying his first step is always reach out to Tom Wood for these things. And, you know, going back to the, the history of Buggy Project, you know, the the history that we have of Buggy, uh, what's on the website, you know, basically everything that most people know about Buggy uh, basically comes from, you know, two main sources. And it's it's this idea from, from Hamilton of, you know, it's, it's about who tells your story. Right. That, that's how that's how you decide what, what history knows. And I mean, with Buggy. It's Tom Wood, who's the historian, uh, and that's mostly because he's been around for half of Buggy's existence at this point. Um, you know, I think he's he's been around since the late 60s, early 70s. And he's been diligent enough to take notes on important things. Yeah, I mean, he's got, I mean, we've reached out to him a bunch, but he's got, you know, he's got his list of, of sweepstakes chairs and like, you know, sweepstakes committees, things like that. He's got, he's got his records of, you know, every heat and every team that raced. He's got a bunch of times. Like most of it's on paper, isn't it? Because I remember when I interviewed him way back when. It's like, yeah, just the fact he maintains that is crazy. Oh, yeah. he, he's been gracious enough to scan many pages of that stuff for us. But yeah, so it, it's a, it, it's you know one source is that, and the other source is actually the the 1966 buggy book. Uh, so mm -hmm. when they did when they did the buggy book in 1966, which was the first time that. Um, it's like the I second buggy book, right? It, it, it's the second official buggy book. It's the first time that I think sweepstakes was was involved. 1965 was the first, but it was done by the Carnegie Technical, which was a, a magazine at, at CMU at the time. Both of um, these are on the website, by the way, if people want to follow. <laughs> yes. Uh, but in the 1966 buggy book, there is a history of buggy article, essentially. So someone in 1966, and I forget the person's name. Uh, if you give me a second, I can pull it up. But the the they did they basically did I guess similar to research to, to what I had done, which is go through, read a whole bunch of old tartans and, and pull together a whole bunch of information. Of course, back then there weren't digital copies, so they would have had to go to the archives and physically read through each each tartan. Dude, I don't know how I would have done this without like control F sweepstakes. Oh it, <laughs> like, all this old stuff. It, it, it would have been a nightmare. Uh, but, but, but on top of that, like, I mean, it's a buggy book, so you only have a couple of pages of room to print things. So we have, we have this information for, uh, from this buggy book. Uh, but what happens is, you, they, you know, they printed the historical winners. Uh, they printed some, some facts and information about things. But over the years, when that gets transferred to the next buggy book, some of that information gets lost. So... If you look at a more recent buggy book, you would actually see in the in the list of in the list of winners. First of all, it starts with 1921, 
because I'm speculating as to why 1920 was never put into the newer ones. But in 1966, it said it had a row for 1920, but said the, the results aren't available. But the spacing was a little bit off from 1920 to 1921. But from 1921 on, the spacing was all the same. So I think what happens is, was in later years, people just didn't see there was a row for 1920. So they just started with 1921. So that, that loses some of the information. This, like the central problem to our research is like the the unreliable narrator effect and like the constant game of telephone where it's like somebody makes some claim about like or like a buggy book says like oh you know pico one design comp in this one specific year i forget like this actually happened and it's like they somebody just transcribed phi cap wrong but then like this got repeated for like 10 years and yeah so like data gets lost that way or you get like two articles or not even that you'll have two people like you'll talk to two people that were present at a specific race day and they will have like opposite stories of facts so it's like one person is wrong and who is it and why and just like sussing that stuff out is like it's like daily business for me and brian now it's like okay well you know the tartan screwed this one up but like it's because of this and this and this and like they just didn't know this team's buggy name maybe it's yeah (laughs) exactly and and then it's it's a question of you know people will print things with essentially like a footnote saying hey we think it's this but we don't know so again like that 1966 buggy book it you know 1929 there's an asterisk next to next to 1929 that doesn't point anywhere (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing so so the the asterisk is actually because they didn't know the final times they only knew prelim times and when they initially wrote it that footnote was was in there like it, it explained why they're they're caveating this but that footnote got lost over time so if you open up like a 2010 buggy book you'll see an asterisk for 1929 and have no clue what it's for because it it got lost it's just these generations of copying and pasting that's exactly it, exactly and that it, that's just i mean the the things that people say you know the lore that gets passed down certainly in AE Pi we we you know i was told hey camo was bought from signu in like the 1980s and yeah i mean generally that's true you know for people who don't know camo which was AE Pi's first real buggy of the modern era even though it was a it was in 1980 uh it it used to be signu's kalugo uh Essentially, which was like a, a winning record-setting buggy. Like it was really, really good in its time, right? Yes. Uh, it, it and I think it got rebuilt a little bit, so it's not the full Kalugo. So there's debates as to whether, like, is it really the same buggy? Is it a different buggy? It's, it's the buggy of Theseus. Exactly. But these are like you know oral. It's it's an oral history. It's an oral telling of hey, here's 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 what you need to know about your organization. It turns out in doing this project, people embellish. Uh, people don't necessarily know. They forget things. They, you know, p- eyewitnesses are are notoriously unreliable, right? Like it's brain squishy memory is the worst form of information preservation. Is like what I've learned through this whole thing. Like if somebody told you it's true and something else written down says it's false, like the writing is probably correct. I mean, we we had something on the on the site for for since the site launched where it's like. Shaka Zulu won design comp in 1992 and in doing this project it's like yeah no that's not even close to right like it's I don't know where someone came up with this but that 
it's definitely not right. But, you know, a lot of the data we had was about that. And so, so it came from Tom Wood. It came from this 1966 article. It came from what people are talking about. And it just became this, you know, this project just became a way to see, like, how much of this is true. And, you know, I kind of had a guiding principle when doing this, which is if the tartan said something or if it, it came from the tartan, it came from the thistle, uh, the CIT alumnus was something back in the 1920s. It was a month, every other month magazine. It's like 10 pages that says, hey, here's what's been going on the last couple of months. It's that, uh, the Carnegie Technical for a few years, and then actually the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Pittsburgh Sun-Telegraph and the Pittsburgh Press. Wow. In more recent times, we've gone digging into like, uh, what, the SAE, uh, like national newsletter sort of thing. It's like the, you get these strokes of in inspiration of like, I wonder if this has any information about buggy what was it like the mid 1930s we found in like the the like pica national newsletter they did this like this little article on like yeah. cmu pike's buggy team and we're like oh like now we know that like the buggy that is in that picture is a pica buggy which we had a picture of before but we didn't know who it was and that like implies a lot of other stuff that we can then figure out and it just like it's it's this massive like hundred year puzzle that Brian and I are just like poking at a little bit every day. And it's like, oh, now we know like this, this team was in this heat. So that means that like these people were here and it, it just, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. We found another one, this, this SAE one that gave a description and had a new photo of this buggy that they had that was actually the design comp winner and arguably led to a change in the design comp rules a couple of years later. Oh yeah, the Buick, right? <laughs> yeah, because because they they had designed this buggy to to look like a Buick. It didn't have any it didn't have any racing purpose, <laughs> but it was basically that it had it had the 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 front grille of a Buick. It had like side view mirrors. It had that was the allegation <laughs> in the uh, the letter that Delta Ta Delta wrote, which is like if anyone listening is a Delta, is like the most Delta thing that you could ever imagine. Yeah. So so what Jeremy's talking about is. SAE won design comp this one year, and then uh, a, a member of Delta Tau Delta wrote a letter to the editor in the Tartan <laughs> that complained about complained about this buggy with useless features winning a design competition. Next year, design comp rules change. There, there was this line. They were like, maybe the buggy that actually need, if the the buggy that actually needed the rear view mirrors had them, then it would have won design comp. There are so many stories too. Like when you dig into this stuff, and it's like, wow, the results in this one particular year seem really strange like what actually happened like the number of race days that have been in some way controversial is massive there was like i think it was what 1947 the first year back from world war ii it's like the finals ended in protest and got rerun like a week later and we don't have any details of like what the protest was like we have some guesses but like Weird stuff there. Then there's the story of um, Signu and ATO, like with a, a collusion DQ, because like someone was showing uh, Signu how to heat wheels or something. Yeah, so 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 that's a fun story. So that comes that comes from the 1970s. But uh, basically, there Signu that year had times that would have finished second and fifth. But there was a C there was a Signu brother who was like roommates or or good friends with a brother of ATO. And uh, I guess there had been some rumors beforehand that ATO and it was maybe helping Signu improve their buggy program. 
So some members of PICA and some members of ATO were camped out on the roof of Margaret Morrison with, with a camera watching Cygnus truck. And they see this guy from ATO leaving the truck and they report it to sweepstakes saying, hey, this guy who's not on Cygnus team is helping them with their buggy. You get like the paparazzi photos of the guy like walking out of the tent, like looking coyly over his shoulder or something. (laughs) Exactly. So, so, so ultimately like sweepstakes decides, all right, we're going to DQ Signu. And then there's a, there's a whole back and forth in the tartan about this Signu saying, Hey, this guy didn't do it. Like all this guy did was like carry some, some, some wheels for us or like, you know, you know, you know, spin, spin something or like just was looking inside the truck. And then I think it was like ATO was saying, well, no, like suddenly the, your bearings are, are like ATO level bearings. Like clearly there was some, there's some knowledge transfer there. There's, you know, he's, he's a little more hands-on than like, oh yeah, I tightened a screw or two. Right. So it's even less es- collusion than like espionage or something or like double agent. Actually, so that was 1968. I think my favorite story um, that we learned from all this was uh, actually race day 1969. So the way that the races were run back then, um, after prelims, six teams would make day two. The top three were in the championship heat, and like the, the winner had to come from the championship heat. Number four through six were in the consolation heat, competing for position four through six. So the championship heat... Uh, irrelevant to this story the consolation heat because of a re-roll which again weird rules back then the consolation heat which was only for i guess fifth and sixth place at this point it was pika signu and ato signu really wanted to beat pika because signu did not like pika this might come as a shock to people so <laughs> they knew that their b team buggy was faster than their a team buggy um whatever the reason they had them that way um so in the consolation heat they ran their b team buggy which just would automatically disqualify them but they wanted to beat pika in that race (laughs) and they did by like just under a second so it was like this whole thing of like just completely sabotaging any chance at placement for like this like personal vendetta that was just it's so it was so like iconic. would that b team buggy have been in the top no there's like their b team buggy was faster but it was like they didn't have their fast pushers on it i don't know why they had it maybe they discovered during race day that it was faster or something but uh... yeah they, they they literally accepted a dq there like the, it technically it's a di- it's a did not start because but they got the fat yeah they beat pika in that head-to-head heat and that's all they wanted like they, that was the glory that they were going for and they were going to get it whichever way they could because i you know it was pika that uh, the year before had called them on the collusion so like you know this was revenge for 1968 <laughs> It's it's just like there's 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 wild stories like that. But, you know, the thing you have to keep in mind when when doing this research is, especially when you're talking about the tartan or the thistle, the, the information that's in there, you know, these are primary sources. So we, we basically take them as true unless there's a reason to think that it's not. But sometimes you have to take things with a grain of salt because the journalistic standards of the tartan no offense to the tartan is not necessarily that of the new york well, sure Times. and it's probably not buggy people writing it right it's whatever kid who wants to do journalism or whatever oftentimes that's right and definitely you can tell when it's a buggy person because it's a lot more detailed and a lot more accurate but i mean ju- just to give you a recent example uh the 2019 
article, the the buggy results article. The the headline says this is the headline: SDC wins buggy for second year in a row. Now now technically true, they did win it two years in a row, but they forgot the six before that. <laughs> this this was the record setting eighth consecutive win. Your headline is two years in a row, like. Uh, you I mean, brought it up, not me. There's little things like that. We were we were all there in 2019, so that one I can easily fact check. Yeah, try those errors from 100 years ago. Right when when you're when you're reading about Tappa 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 being DQ'd in 1925, it's like, is that a real thing? That keeps coming up. I swear, it's like some ancient meme that like we just don't get. Right there's there's and there's there's just so many things. I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, they'll say. It's Capsig A with Mirage when now we've got photos where, like, Mirage does – either the heat was wrong where Capsig A was actually racing where we thought Capsig C was or Mirage was actually C or, like, there's, there's all sorts of little things like that. And it's so hard to try and decipher what the right thing is when you've got, you know, this article that seems to be accurate says one thing. But then you find a photo, and it's like, well, this photo doesn't match what the words say. It's like one of my my mantras in doing my historical research is Capsig lies in the buggy book. Like, reliably, every single year, whatever they're telling you, what buggy lineup or, like, what happened the previous year or anything, it's false. Like, constantly. I, I like, it's happened enough that I think they do it on purpose, but it's just so infuriating when I'm like, oh, wait, I was relying on something from the capstick page of the buggy book. That's why this is all like not making any sense. It's very true. It, it's, it, it's, so, it, it's, just, it's so hard to decipher like what's real, what is, what is 100% fact, what is probably fact, and what is just like speculation. Because like you were saying, I mean, the people writing in the tartan may not be buggy people. If they see, if they see a you know, pika buggy... They're going to be like, oh, yeah, this was like Pika A, even though it may have been Pika C. And, and especially back then, I mean, you didn't have – you certainly didn't have like CMU Buggy as a resource. You had – you were there on the course depending on when you, when you were. Like the, the, the broadcasting of, of the races, at least on the course, started pretty early. started in like roughly the 1950s, but it was someone, on, someone in the back of the truck with a loudspeaker. Yeah, literally like yelling what's happening. <laughs> As the buggies are going by. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that guy might not know. And if he does, like, you got to hope that someone was in earshot of it to, to know for sure. And it's like, there, there's, there's all sorts of, like, little things like that that are, that are it, oh, it's yeah. tough from a research standpoint. And that's why, I mean, fo- photos have kind of been a, a godsend to some extent because it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we got a bunch of photos uh, from, like, 1958 where we're suddenly able to figure out every every heat it's like we we've id'd i think most of the teams from that one and just going through and and seeing like okay this heat is you know we may not know the order of the heats but we now know which teams faced each other no well that so that's one of those things um just a couple weeks ago like speaking of going through photos and not knowing heats um so we just recently started to like put all the old heat schedules in that we can, um, which I have completed almost every year from 2021 all the way back to 1962. We're just missing a few waiting on Tom. Um, But one of those, 1963, was like 
This is uh, like before Tom Wood, so it wasn't written down. But I'm like looking through the pictures and I'm like, wait a sec. Like counting up the buggies. We have a picture from almost every heat. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's a pretty sunny day. And like the shadows are pretty long on this one. I'm like, wait, okay. So this one was first because the shadows are long. And then there's like this one heat where it's like really <laughs> high noon. There's like no shadow. I'm like, all right, that one's last. I'm like sort of measuring like how long are these tree shadows on hill one. I came to like a pretty good heat schedule. I think I'm I, like, I feel like it's accurate, which I don't know. I mean, does anyone care? I don't know. But like, you can look at that data and get a feel for like how that race day progressed, you know, rather than just the results. It's like, all right, how did, you know, how did things look after one or two or three heats? Like, oh, wow. You know, that's, there's, there's more of a story there. Like you can extract this narrative from something that we previously had so little information about. And that's kind of why I, I mean, to be honest, that's, that that was kind of my main driving force behind doing the History Buggy project with, with basically this write-up of each of the years. Because as 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 great as the database is, and I think we, we, we will rely on it a lot more now, and it's obviously more accurate than it's ever been before. We have more info than I think we've ever had. You know, when you go on the site and you look at the history, if you look at the history tab, you, you click on a race, you can pull up, you know, 1958. And you can see, all right, here's the buggies that, you know, here's all the times, here's all the, the teams that ran, here's all the buggies. But that's really all you get. You just get the race day story, right? You, you, and you don't even get the story. You get the times, you get maybe what, you know, if a team DQ'd. I think Jeremy's been pretty good at putting in notes around DQs. So if you want to see, like, if, if we know, oh, this was like Hill 3-4 transition violation. Yeah, okay, that's in there. You know, it, you know the DQ for collusion, like it says collusion. Uh, yeah, I don't. I've got to know. I, I I aim for clarity in the database stuff. Like it's it's weird information sometimes, but like as much as you can, if somebody's gonna look at it and be like, wait, what? Then I want there to be a little note to be like, no, no, no this is what happened. Like this team, yes, they rerolled three times. Like that's what happened. What I was go what I was going for was kind of the story behind Buggy for the entire year. So not necessarily just race day. So like I mean, just just looking at 1958. We know that, well, you know, they got they got the races on Friday, but Saturday it rained, so the actual the actual finals took place at 5:30 a.m. on Tuesday, May 6th. The, they they had they had to get the city of Pittsburgh's permission for that. They had they had police support, and rain even fell on that day. But they because it started at 5:30, they managed to beat the rain uh, with 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 the finals. And it's you know the the tartan said a, there was a massive crowd of 70 to 80 spectators for the race. That's that's how many people got up. Whereas you know you were talking you know a thousand, two thousand on a on a normal on a normal race day, uh, but you know you you had that. There there was an argument that it being on Tuesday and in the morning kind of slowed everything down, so all the times were slower than Fridays. Also, fun follow up to that: ATO won that race. It was their sixth in a row. That was a record at the time. So they decided to celebrate. Of course, it was a Tuesday that caused some problems so they celebrated and ended up getting a one-week social probation from interfraternity council for violating <laughs> their for, for basically uh doing things during their victory celebration that they probably shouldn't have been doing it would have been okay if it was saturday so like you know it's it, it probably would have been more okay if it was saturday or it would have been more it would have been more hidden because it would have been part of carnival right so like that you know that's some of the things and you know in, in going through this you know I think I think a lot of my favorite stories come come out of like you know the 
the early era, the 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 pre-Tom Wood era, if you will. So like the the twenties, thirties, all that stuff. I think my, my favorite note, I think, of all of this was in nineteen thirty four. Um, you know, I think we we all think of Buggy as a uniquely CMU thing, right? It's that it's that combo of athleticism and engineering and and all this stuff. Like anyone you talk to has only ever heard of this at CMU. It's it's not a thing that exists anywhere else in the world, and that's kind of what makes it so great and and such a such a unique thing and such a special thing to be a part of. Turns out that's not actually always that hasn't always been the case. Uh, Buggy or this idea of pushmobile was not uncommon when it started in 1920. Uh, it wasn't uncommon at colleges. In fact, it wasn't uncommon at Pittsburgh colleges. Pitt itself had buggy. Uh, they had buggy up until about the 1950s. Uh, their course was much more dangerous. Oh God, there were so many bad crashes. There, there, yeah, there's an article from, uh, I forget what year, it's 1920. It, it was in the 1920s. It was an article from the Post-Gazette where... It was the article was just about how many people ended up in the hospital from this race, including oh, no. a Post Gazette photographer who was there. <laughs> um, it was just like it was, and it it was on streets that that I forget what streets it was on. It was on like Beeler and some other street that doesn't exist anymore. So so, but the point is, Pitt had this also uh, in 1934. Beta won CMU's buggy race. Uh, a fraternity called. Phi Gamma Delta won Pitt's buggy race. Now, Phi Gamma Delta had some track members on the on the Pitt team, but Beta, following their win at CMU, challenged Phi Gamma Delta to a to an essentially an all Pittsburgh Derby. Uh, the the rules were set. It was again talking to the the danger of the Pitt race. Uh, Phi Gam had broken two of their wheels in the race that they won. <laughs> Uh, so the, their their acceptance of the challenge was conditioned on them being able to repair the wheels, uh, but the 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 terms were set. So uh, Pitts Pitts race only had four pushers at the time, CMU's had five. So the deal was that they were gonna drop to four pushers, uh, but they were gonna use CMU but they were gonna use CMU's course because it was safer and also you know a better course like you don't get the dh right in the uh <laughs> exactly 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 uh so so they you know they had agreed to this and it was all set to go and then the pit track coach vetoed it because he didn't want his track stars getting hurt at a at a competition oh it CMU meant so much anything. uh so <laughs> right it it ended up not ever happening but it's it's one of those things where it's just like you know this it, it's so cool that even the thought that there could have been a pit versus CMU buggy race. There was another one, you know, in 1955, the, the only time that buggy has ever had a, a true, what, what you would call an independent organization. Uh, you know, we think of SDC CIA fringe as independent, but that just means they're not fraternities. There was a, there was a group in 1955 called Harry's boys club. Uh, don't know what they are but they were some Pittsburgh organization that had won the pit buggy race the previous year and decided, oh yeah, we could win CMUs also. So we'll sponsor a team, get a whole bunch of track stars pushing the buggy. Uh, it'll be great. We'll just win. We'll, we'll be the greatest. They didn't win. It turns out CMUs, CMUs races was a lot more difficult to win, I think, than Pitt. This, uh, this smells a lot like Mark Estes going and doing uh, ultimate speed at the Soapbox Derby, you know? 
Like, let, let me expand to another uh, another local division of racing and see if I can be a champion there, too. I mean, and there was another, like, C- CIA, when they first started, and their, their buggy Peanut, I think, in 72, or Pickle, one, one of the two buggies. Uh, at that time, Pit, Pit no longer had buggy, but they had a soapbox derby that they were running. Uh, and it was open to anyone. So CIA decided they'd take this buggy that they built for CMU's race and enter it in, so- in the Pit Soapbox Derby, and they won. It's like, no, CMU just showing its dominance in this sport that is a uniquely CMU thing. I guess that's why we're the only ones that are still doing it. Exactly. We're just, we're so good at it. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's those kinds of stories that are just so much fun to read about. And it's something that, you know, you'll never, for, you'll never get the story of like beta challenging Phi Gamma Delta, Pitts Phi Gamma Delta to a race and having it canceled. You'll never get that in a database, right? It's, there's no way to track that. But it's one of those things like you read about, it, it's like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like this is, this is an awesome story. And, it, and it's something that like people should know about. And so that's, you know, that's, that's kind of why this, this History of Buggy project went on. It's like, hey, let's tell the story beyond just the numbers, right? Let's, let's tell the story beyond just times. No, for, for sure. I think it's such a cool thing about the sport and somewhat of like a motivation on a different scope and scale of like this podcast, right? Of, you know, what I love about sports and I think what a lot of people love about Buggy is not just the times, like not to diminish that work, because it's super cool to have all that history and the numbers because so much of it is about that. But right. Sports to me is always about the human interest and, you know, overcoming challenges and rivalries and all that kooky shit. And, you know, the fact that you guys are able to do this and like now we're at least able to do it in somewhat of a modern form, kind of, you know, contemporaneously and hopefully through this podcast and stuff like that you know, in one way is just a testament to the sport and like how much people actually care. And like you guys do so clearly have done so much research and it's like archeological, oh, yeah. you know, in some ways where it's like looking beyond words at evidence, but you know, who knows where it goes, but I think it's really cool. Just like buggy is a whole is building up this corpus of narrative around it. You know, there's there's things we think about now, or like things that exist in Buggy now. You know, when I when I went into this, I I went into it with with you know a 2020 mindset, right? Like this is how Buggy's done now, and I never really questioned why why things are the way they are. You know, whether things would have been done differently in the older days, but you know, there, there's things that you know. I, I think one of the things that I was told in Buggy is with our you know hundred page rule book every rule is in there for a reason because someone did something to warrant that rule being Mm, put in. mm. But you know, it it goes beyond that. Like the course itself, I never really thought about the course. itself. like, I don't know if you've ever thought about why races start at Maggie Moe or why there are lanes on Hill one. But like, these are things that, that happen to come up in, in, in the research. Like, I mean, 1920 was just one, one heat for all the buggies. (laughs) go <laughs> for how many were in it uh it was either 18 or 20 i have the database in front of me um 10 10 in 1920 and then it jacked up in future years but they, they were still doing uh just all of them in one race for quite a while there and then eventually they decide to go to heats but yeah if you think about it the, the course has actually been the exact same since 1929 
Like, so, so this has been the course for the last 90 plus years. Uh, but the buggy actually predates Fruit Street. Uh, for those for those who aren't aware, Fruit Street is Hills three, four, and five. Uh, Fruit Street wasn't built until nineteen twenty eight, so like, but the buggy course existed before that, and it 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 took a little different turn. Uh, it 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 turned like in between where the li- the Hunt Library and Baker Porter kind of turned up there and and went went into campus. But you know the the reason we start at Maggie Mo is actually. Uh, for those of you who who go to CMU at some point and decide to take the steam tunnel tour, uh, the steam tunnels are the reason Buggy starts on Hill One. Uh, back in 1925, they were building out the steam tunnels, and the race was originally going to start. Or 1924, the race was originally going to start essentially outside of Baker Hall. Uh, that's that the, they were setting up the the starting point there. But they were building the steam tunnels, and so construction was going on, so they couldn't start there. So they had to move the starting line, so they ended up moving it to, to the bottom of Maggie Mo, and it's been there ever since. Uh-huh. The, the lanes, I mean, Jeremy was, was saying back, back then they, they raced them all at one time. There weren't heats. That, that came in the late 1920s. But the, the lanes actually came in the 1930s, late 1930s, I think, and it's because— Yeah, they were, they were still doing four buggy heats at that point. Yeah, but but the reason for the lanes is on uh, on Tech Street they used to have a they, they added a traffic bollard this like uh, basically a big stop sign that that was in the road uh, and the teams who started on the outside uh, on the side of that bollard were complaining that hey they're getting a disadvantage here because they've got the bollard in the way so they dis- so like you know teams being forced. So they, they created the lanes to keep people in line so that you couldn't push people into the bollard. <laughs> so you couldn't, like, box them out and, and, and stop them from making the turn. Because that's, that's what they were doing in the early 1930s. Wow. Like, it's just like, hey, let's, let's, like, ram people to this side so that they, we get the jump on them. So what do they do? They created lanes. Now, personally, I never, it never even struck me as a thing. Like, why would you ever question, oh, there's lanes on Hill 1, but there's, there's no lanes on the back hills. There's only lanes at the start. Why is that? Wow. It's like, I mean, even now you get, you got three buggies. Like if you think about it, you don't really need lanes. I mean, the buggies can go up They're At this point, we're usually separated enough where, you know, a, a slow buggy c- could be on the inside and not get in the way of anything. But why are the lanes there? It's because of a traffic bollard that hasn't existed wow. for 60 years. So it's just, it's, 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 it's kind of those crazy things. And then it's, it's the things that we think we know now that we it turns out we don't. I, you know, when I started doing buggy, I think, and CMU pushes this out all the time, is that the first Sorari to ever do buggy was was Kappa Kappa Gamma in two thousand four, right? That was that was the first time that that we, that there was a, a sorority team doing buggy. Uh, it's not true. It was the first and time it, in a long it's time, one of these but... things that gets lost, and you just it it was the first time in a long time. Technically, they were. You know, the Society of Women Engineers raced in the women's heats in 1979. Not a sorority. They are a, wim- but they are a women's team. But before that, 1922, the third year ever of Buggy, there was, there, was a, there was a sorority, Alpha Kappa Psi, who decided to enter the Buggy race. And I mean, they, they didn't end up finishing the race. Uh, they were one of many that year that crashed. Yeah, they, 
they built their buggy and it didn't finish. Um, so sorry, I, I, I want to derail here. This is actually really important to me, um, <laughs> a, a specific project. No, so um, yeah, they, they built a buggy, didn't finish. Uh, Kappa Kappa Gamma borrowed a buggy, raced it, finished it, finished built a buggy that didn't end up making it to race day. So I've been telling DG, who is um, a new team getting started, there still hasn't been a sorority that has built a buggy, raced it, and had it finish a race. So I'm hoping that they will be the first and not the last. But that's why it's it's, it's one of those things. Just, you know, you go through... I, I had no reason to think that there would have been a women's team in the past. And then I'm looking through... I think it was the the Thistle. There was a, there was, And there's a picture... We, we actually have a photo of the first ever women's team in buggy from 1922. And it's just one of those things. It's like, this is, this is wild. And I mean, even now CMU still promotes the fact that Kappa Kappa Gamma was the first one to do it. It's like, well, you know, we, we've talked to them about it and I think they're starting to acknowledge some of the stuff that, and it's not, it's not like they're intentionally doing it. It's just, no one knew because that document they put together for this this race i mean it was supposed to be for like buggy 100 two years ago but now it's for buggy 100 this year like uh like the university put together this really nice thing about buggy history and they were like they they actually had the foresight to like give it to us and be like hey can you check this and like (laughs) cue brian and me like pulling out the biggest red pen you've ever seen for like the most nitpicky details that were technically incorrect but need to be just right if you're actually gonna like put right. out a buggy street thing at this point yeah and, and now and, i mean we just know these things now and it's it's i mean ni- 1922 is just a fascinating year if i if i can go off on a on a tangent here for a second the best ni- year in ni- buggy history i it it uh that's probably 1988 if i'm be either 1988 or 2009 Honestly, I think I, 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 my like uh, my spicy take is that buggy peaked in the uh, the '80s, but you know we can we can come back to that some other time. Well, that's fair. <laughs> but but I, just like 1922 is the is the only tie in buggy history, and and again the database shows like SAE and Pike a tied, right? Like all right, awesome. But we didn't have any more info than a tie. It turns out it's because buggy was too popular uh there they didn't have crowd control back then and they you know they had a couple of thousand spectators coming out and everyone's crowding on hill five or what i i guess technically not hill five back then i think they only had four pushers but it, you know they basically crowding on the finish line and it's it's one of these things where there were so many people that there was only one lane worth of room for a buggy and Pika and SAE both reached that point at the at the same time and collided with each other trying to get into this one lane worth of, of buggy space. Uh, as they crossed the finish line, the judges who were there to decide who the winner was couldn't see over the crowd. So they so they didn't know which of the two buggies actually crossed the finish line first. So they're just like, all right, we got to give it a tie. The, the the interesting follow-up to that is uh, Sweepstakes only had one trophy, and they only had the money for one trophy, so they they had to they had to special petition for like twenty five dollars from student senate <laughs> at the time to get to to get an additional trophy made so that they could deliver it, and then yeah, it, it's just I mean it's it's one of those things. It's like hey, this is a wild story. Oh, sorry, it, it, it was it was ten dollars, not twenty five back then, but. 
You, you just got me thinking about um, just the, the notion of being able to see something. Um, one of the really amazing things we've been able to do through all of this history research and like figuring out the numbers and the, the heats and who was where when is really like discovering the meaning of some of these photos that we have. Um, the first thing that comes to mind yeah. is 1953, the first year that uh, ATO won in their six win streak. They beat Delta Tau Delta in the championship heat by five hundredths of a second. And we have a photo of like very nearly the finish line of that heat. And it's like you don't really truly realize like this is the end of one dynasty and the beginning of the next one right here in this picture by like a, a, a tiny little margin. Um, and it's just, there, there are so many pictures like that now we're finding where it's like this, like th this was such, such a big moment and we know why now. Just the photos themselves. I mean, we have so many photos. I think I just, I, on our, on our gallery, I think I just uploaded like about 2,500 photos that I had pulled over the course of this, this project, kind of putting them all in one place, that and the buggy book photos. And I, you know, we're, we're finding even more now, but you know, a lot of this stuff is trying to identify what these photos are, because I think we, we said before, sometimes the captions aren't always right. A lot of times there are no captions. And so we're just we're going through and trying to identify it. If if, if you like doing puzzles where like, you know, when, when I was at, when I was at CMU, we, I did Puzzle Quest, right. uh, where it's just they, they, they give you a sheet of paper with a puzzle on it, and no instructions, and you just kind of have to go and, and solve it. Dude, I, identifying these photos is basically that. I mean, mine... I, I think my favorite one that we that we have not identified yet is this photo, or the the one that I most want to identify. We have a photo oh, no. of a of it, it. it's hill one. There are three buggies no. in it. The <laughs> I'm gonna say it. The the, no. the 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 trail the last place buggy, the third buggy, is the most hideous clown. It is painted like a clown. <laughs> it it is it is it is nightmare fuel. Will. This is this is like our punishment for like trying to learn too much. Like we were given this is image this on of this CMU buggy, buggy to like sleep with. Uh, it is. I I actually don't know if it's on CMU buggy yet. It might be on. It it might be it might be part of that upload that I did. I mean, I don't know if it's worth if if, if the public should see it, but. Put the ring, you're like forced to share it, you know. <laughs> right. It's yeah. I was just. It's like uh, what's that movie, The Ring, or whatever. <laughs> We're all gonna die in a week. Exactly. But the the photo itself came from the came from the archives, and and Julia Corin, the the CMU archivist, actually reached out and said to me and Tom Wood and said, "Hey." Uh, we're trying to identify this. Can, like, can you can you ID this? I would rather not. Thank you, Julia Corrin. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to to decipher this. It's like we we know two things from this photo. There's a guy. There's a guy watching the race who's wearing a shirt that says Phi Cap. There's also a man watching the race who is about seven and a half feet tall. Like the the, the clown is not where the weirdness of this photo ends. The haunting images. The, the the clown the clown is on hill is is lane two lane three looks like it's being pushed by my grandfather <laughs> now maybe the quality of the photo but like it looks like an old guy we've narrowed it down now to either 1949 or 1953 and I think I personally think it's 1949 and Jeremy and I have have spent a decent amount of time looking through yearbook photos of every fraternity 
and trying to match it to the slightly fuzzy <laughs> images of the pushers of the teams we don't know. Of all of the old photos that we have, by far the highest quality image of people's faces, 1920. And I'm pretty confident that we got all of those right by going in the yearbook and like finding the headshots of all the fraternity men who like had very nice headshots that year. And like, for whatever reason, those like first race day photos are very high resolution. So we, like we, we were able to sort out the entire lineup for that first race day. And we're still like trying to figure out like who this hunched over dude in, in 1949 is because like the picture quality is just bad. <laughs> I actually, I have essentially a murder board of cap sig members from the mid 1920s <laughs> trying to identify each of the pushers because we know the buggies and we know the years and so we have these team photos and it's like hey this guy like and, and i've matched i've matched a couple of them uh so like i know this guy like we know the name of the driver because i matched the face of the driver to the face in the yearbook and it's just like I, I've literally got a murder board of like, hey, is this guy the same person as this guy? <laughs> I, I just dug up my chat with Brian about the last time we were talking about the clown buggy. <laughs> and I said, I feel like we need to do what archaeologists do with things they don't understand and call the clown buggy a ritual object. <laughs> but the, I mean, there's there's just so many things with the photos. I mean, you know. Again, there's there's certain ones. I think Jeremy and I have gone back and forth about ten times on on this one photo. We've got a photo of it's Pylam's Pi Falcon against SDC's Blue Haze. Oh God, that <laughs> it was it was printed in the 1988 uh, Tartan, which you would think if it was printed in 1988, I think it's a you expect I think it it's to a be from the year I can't remember if it's a preview version. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you expect it either to be that year or the year before. And it's possible that it came from 1987, except we don't think Falcon raced in 1987. And we haven't and we found other photos from 1987 of SDC going up against a pylon buggy called Legend. So it's like, well, this doesn't really make sense. So we've kind of ID'd it as 1984 because Blue Haze did go up against Pylam in 1984. But we just recently found a photo of Blue Haze going up against, I think, Capsig's Mirage in 1984, which doesn't match either of our heats. And it, it's, it's or, or, or we don't have heats. I, I, I can't remember exactly why, but it's like we keep bouncing back and forth. It's like, is this from 1984? Is this from 1987? Is this from a different year? And we just don't know. And then there's always the classic, well, it could be exhibitions. Yeah, that's 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 our equivalent of an archaeologist calling something a ritual object is like just say it's an exhibition heat because if it's not it like ruins <laughs> everything we think we know about this year the whole historical record crumbles i, I was gonna say as as deep as you all are in it, it it seems legitimate and uh almost in a way like addicting the satisfaction right of kind of like you said it's a puzzle and kind of breaking this down and right you guys are so deep in it yeah, yeah. It's I, I mean, yeah, you, you start it for the uh the the story, right? And then you, you stay for the hundred percent completion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean there's there's a there's a fun one from like nineteen seventy seven. Uh the first the first heat of the day was a ZBT buggy and it was going over the hill. It, it was getting shoved into the free roll 
and a dog got loose and ran out and started humping the buggy. <laughs> yes, that's right. A dog started humping ZBT's buggy. I think we, we spent a while, like, ZBT at the time, just, just so people know, like, one of their buggies was a bike. So, like, did it hump, like, a real buggy? Did it hump like a bike? Which air, would be like, a, just a really, person. Like, if you can imagine, like, this... Right, like, a, per, a person is lying on top, and now the, yeah. like, dog is... It's, like, it's a fascinating thing, and I think we've gone back and forth on which buggy it was. I think I think we've decided, or at least I've decided, that it was not the bike. Uh, it was a it was a more traditional looking buggy, <laughs> um, but still like, and and if anyone listening to this happens to have a photo or video of that incident, Brian, that uh, sounds please weird. send that our way because that, that is really something I would love to see. <laughs> uh, it's for it's for the historical record. Yes, yes, yeah. It's, it, yes, it's for the historical <laughs> record. Not not my own personal enjoyment. I don't know what you're talking about. You you bringing up that that dog photo um, does bring to mind. Like, are there certain kind of like holy grails, like white whales, like things you guys are still really looking for? That it's like this could be a really key piece of the history and unlock some things, or or, or pieces of information that you don't know even if it's not a photo that it's like you know you'd love a time machine to be able to figure out xyz 1937 uh so so the entire i mean there's there's stuff that you know if we could get photos of of some other stuff and and jeremy could, probably has has holes in his database that he can he can fill in here but uh certainly 1936 to 1939 uh the archive the cmu archives do not have the tartans so the only information, or, or, yeah, they don't have the tartan. So the only information we have is from other publications. So we have, you know, the the Pittsburgh new, the Pittsburgh area newspapers, which don't have a lot. Uh, thistles. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. It's 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 basically just that, and and the thistles is basically just photos. But 1937, we have basically nothing. We don't even know with a hundred percent certainty that Capsig won that year. <laughs> of course, it would be Capsig. Um, we, we, we're, we're, we're pretty sure they did because it was the, it was the middle of a six race win streak, and there are later articles from like 1940 that talk about them being on this like like there's a 1941 that says they've won the previous five years. We actually know that's not true, right? We we know that's not true because Beta won in 35, but it's it's close enough where maybe they were considering like this is the fifth year, but like this would be the fifth year. So that's why we're pretty confident Capsig won. But that's literally the only thing we know. We know we we have a quote about ATO's buggy being a conglomeration of wood, galvanized iron pipe, leather upholstery, and aluminum covering. That is that is the extent of our knowledge of 1937 is vaguely what ATO's buggy was made of specifically for me uh it's weird you know because we have almost perfect data from 1962 to like 1981 and then it's like trash from like 83 to 2001 we're like really trying to piece stuff together it's very difficult and i think a lot of that is just down to there were so many teams competing in like the late 80s that it was really hard to keep track of it all. And it was at the point where like things were just starting yeah. to become 
a little bit digital. So I think people had like just enough technology to like do things on their computer, but like not enough technology, not enough technology to actually like preserve it long-term in a usable file format. Um, and then, yeah, like 2002 on, we have perfect stuff because we have video, but the like really bizarre things that we're missing that I really wish we had are the design comp winners from 1991, 1985, and 1983. It's just so strange to me that we don't have that information. And at this point, like because of everything that we've dug through, the only way I would actually believe somebody if they said that they knew the answer is if they could show me the trophy. <laughs> because like there are so many, oh yeah, no, definitely. It was this team this year. Like it's proven wrong so many times. Like we need actual like solid physical evidence because there's no like print evidence from back then. We've scoured everything. Um, so if anyone happens to know 1991, 1985 or 1983, who won design comp, I would I would love to see that. Um, and then just pictures would help so much from like 2001 back to like 1982, um, because there's a lot of detail we're missing there. Um, but really, um, something that upsets me a lot and upset a lot of the students of the time, 1982 and 1983, we have really bad information on what the results of the women's races were, um, because there just was not the attention paid to them at that point. Um, so we have like very, very spotty data um, for like what actually happened in the women's races. Uh, so that, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I know that was like way more broad than like, what is the one thing that you're looking for? Uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is honestly, I, I, it, it, the, the whole point of this podcast is being more broad. <laughs> than, uh, I, a lot of it is again is it's oral histories at this point like people don't haven't seen these things haven't really thought about it you know it just in in putting up some of these articles some alumni reading it i know there was one from like 1978 where it was it was a photo of sae that i pulled from i don't know and tartan and one of the commenters was in the photo and he's like oh this is awesome i've never seen this photo before and he's in it <laughs> So like so and 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 then there's alumni just sharing stories from from their time. I mean, Mark Estes shared a great one about about them like using the same buggy twice in a race one in in the 1980s. Yeah, nobody noticed because they're sick new buggies and people couldn't tell them apart. <laughs> mm. Where do you see the project going in the next couple of years? Obviously, you kind of have this baseline need to for just new stuff, but kind of what's the vision for? Um you know, building it out. Are you, are you? Oh yeah. Our, our swanky new gallery, which is like actually functional again, because the old one broke like five years ago or something where we're in a good spot with the photos. If you haven't been to the site lately, um, we've got a new host. Um, what Brian and I are working on now with that is um, <laughs> it's going to take a while, but hopefully adding a comprehensive set of uh, keyword tags to all of the photos. So hopefully if you, want to go on there and see, uh, I don't know, uh, photos of malice from 2009. I don't know why anyone would want to look for that, but like you, know, you could go boop and just get all of them, you know, like it's, it should hopefully be a much more responsive functional gallery that, that people can search through. Going forward, it, it's one of those things 
the present day stuff is so well documented on CMU Buggy anyway. We've got rolls reports, we've got photos, we've got you know the video of the races. There's not as much of a need at the moment to to write new articles for for upcoming years. Uh, certainly, as we find more information about older years, I, I I definitely go back and add things, or I, I update captions, I do that sort of thing. Uh, for newer years, I don't know. I mean, my my time as an officer of the Buggy Alumni Association is coming to an end uh, after this race day. Uh, I'm still going to be involved with, with this history project, obviously, but I don't know... Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the, what the future holds for, for future years or for like present day, present day stuff. Uh, certainly as we get more information about the historical stuff, uh, it's, it's going to go up there. It's just the, again, the, the present stuff is so well documented. I don't know that we need to have an article like this, um, especially when the length of these articles are probably just me copying and pasting all the roles reports into one thing. Uh, so, I mean. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. I mean, if, if, if people have suggestions or thoughts, feel free to voice them. Um, I will definitely take those under advisement. And I, I do want to put it out there on the podcast so that it's public to everyone. Jeremy has promised to maintain and update the database for the next 50 years. I said that four years ago. We're down to 46, okay? Okay, 46 <laughs> years. Um, so, so he has agreed to do that. So at the very least, our database should be good to go. That's a fun one for, uh, so this year, and I'll, I'll just put it out there publicly. Maybe this will come out before race day. Um, but our intent is to get the, uh, like the teams with all the pushers and everything into the database before race day. And we have a special view that you can use to see like all of the push teams just right there. So, you know, you can see what team your friends are on and you can click through. It's like fully responsive, like our, the rest of our database where it's like, okay, here's, like uh, CIAA's lineup, have these people pushed before? Like just being able to dig into like the the who and the what uh, before we have any times. Yeah, and I you know I think that's that's where our database is weakest right now is just on people because there's just, there's not a lot of record about people in the past. Uh, we actually have updated. I think we've got full rosters for all teams from 2009 to 2021. Yes, and a lot of stuff in the couple of years before that but yes full 100% full rosters from 2009 on yeah i mean it is it is really impressive the depth of of info you guys have there and i'm sure you know real buggy people or whatever appreciate it even more but it makes you know my job in doing this and shit on race day so much easier because i can talk very authoritatively just clicking around very quickly it's like do you remember in 1987 when you rolled a you know 225 um they're like wow i did that it was like yep i knew that and it's it's just one of those things like how many times have like have you been involved with something that's been going on for 100 years like right that's so cool just charting it well awesome i i, I think we're covered most of everything i wanted to is there anything else uh y'all want to get to as we're wrapping up here if history interests you or you're curious in photos like just check out the check out the site and uh learn all about the sport that you probably participated in for a few years while you were at cmu and if not why are you here and listening to this anyways though oh sorry you, you had something to say brian uh just two things for carnival um the uh, CMU archives is actually doing a buggy exhibit this year. So there's going to be a lot of old buggies on display buggies ranging from the 1960s 
all the way to the 2010s. I think I know of seven or eight buggies that are going to be there so far. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of exhibits. It's 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 actually going to be open the entire. It I think it opens April 1st and it's open through the entire year through December 2022. So if you're in Pittsburgh anytime during then, but it will be open during uh during Carnival. Uh, so you can check out all of their archives. The vid- they've got all sorts of videos, photos, uh, the buggies. We've got wheels, shirts, all sorts of other things that people have, have lent. Well, cool. Yeah, no, I this has been really fascinating. And, you know, thanks to both of you for joining and just all the hours and hours of work. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody can appreciate just how much effort it took. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Really interesting things. Definitely take advantage of some of those opportunities they talked about this carnival. We got a lot more goodness coming up for you here on Shoot the Shit. Uh, Talk with some old timers who are racing in the 70s from FICAP. We talk about Design Comp. uh, Got some folks from PICA talking about the infamous Fish Club year. AE Pie. Who knows what all. If you want to talk about anything, definitely reach out to us. Uh, go into our Discord, cmubuggy.org slash chat, and, uh, you know, suggest a topic. Always looking for feedback. As always, a million thank yous to Rachel Schmidt uh, for producing this podcast, doing a ton of behind-the-scenes work uh, to make everything happen, as well as the larger Buggy Alumni Association for their support. Uh, So we'll catch you next week uh, with another episode of Shoot the Shit.